Welcome to the Just Jiu Jitsu podcast. I am Andrew Desimoni with Corella Gracie. And today we bring you a new episode The Anatomy of the Attack. I'm going to say that again because I didn't enunciate The Anatomy of the Attack, part three. This is an episode that's going to really dive deep into the the lower body. There were a lot of people last time who asked, wow, you're getting into the lower body. I can't wait to hear Croiler talk about, as we talked about last time, the private parts, you know? Like, as we said, we're working our way down the body. I don't know, but that's okay. And we're going to finish, we're going to start that part last week, but you said, Andrew, give me, I want another week to prepare for this, because it's important to me. I don't recall that, but okay. (laughs) You said, Andrew, I remember a lot of times, you've said this to me over and over over the years, the sphincter of the human, the average human is what I'm passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) It matters. There are two (laughs) things. There are two things that really inspire me and I draw a lot of creativity from. One is jujitsu, uh-huh. and number two is the human sphincter. <laughs> and if you ever go to Croiler's studio at his house, it's just easels and canvases and paint, and it's all just it's all just butt centric art. If it's, if it's funnier that you think that, or that you think I can actually paint something, <laughs> that's what would be better. Is if it was your passion, but you couldn't paint, and so it was all just horrible paintings. It's like I think that's an ass. I I, I really can't tell. That's funny. Okay, well, today we're focusing on the lower half of the body, the appropriate stuff. Well, we'll start with, I guess we'll talk about last time, the two episodes before we we started working down from the neck. We did neck, shoulders, elbows, wrists, and now we're moving down. So we we didn't do the spine, but that's okay. Oh yeah, I mean we could spend we could spend some time on it. Yeah, I mean there's not there's not much to spend time there, but there are a few submissions that attack the spine, mm-hmm. um, and it, where in the spine it depends on the kind of submission. You know, you can go to like towards the cervical area, or you can go towards you know thoracic and lumbar, depending what you're attacking. Um, probably the most prevalent submission example of something that attacks the spine would be like a twister. Mm-hmm. Um, very very powerful back submission, spinal submission. Um, Is a twister considered? Would that be considered like crank? Uh, cranking up? Yeah, it'd be a crank, um, but it would it would do damage to the spinal column. Again, where it breaks, where it would do the damage, it depends when depends on the person applying and the, and the person being applied to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can also talk about like cervical locks that are designed to like break the neck. You know, um, there's uh, Justin Rader, I believe that's his name. I know his last name is Raider. Um, I think in 2019 on ADCC trials, I think he hit three. I think they call it the, the decapurator. <laughs> um, it's it's a submission that he popularized. Um, he hit, I think he had two or three back to back, and and those were cervical locks, you know, designed to break the neck and so on. How how often do you see cervical locks nowadays? It's it's rare. I mean, you you'll you need to have both high level skill. And low level of competition in order to apply something like that, you know. Low level of competition. I mean, you have to, there's to be a discrepancy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you're looking at even even levels of skill, you're gonna go to the more statistically dominant submissions, right? Unless you have very niche like specialty that people just aren't aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard to find at the highest levels. Usually, people are well rounded at that point. 
but but it does happen. Twister is is probably the most commonly seen spinal submission, spinal lock you you you'll get. Are all the spinal submissions are they all cranks of some kind? They're all rotational. Yeah. yeah. Um. And 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 they start off as cranks. They're power based, generally speaking. But don't get me wrong. There's tons of leverage that can cause it breaks. All right. That was going to be my next question. Was how important is power and strength to those um again if, if it's applied properly um not any more than you need for like an arm bar right but but the thing is, is like most people because you have to control so much of the human body to pull them off most people use power to control versus proper placement to control mm-hmm. so i was gonna just go straight to the knees but would i be wrong in skipping over the hips yeah there's a couple hip locks you can do they're mostly obscure and like old techniques that like you don't see as much of today. Um, but but it doesn't mean that they don't work. Me- like mechanically speaking, there are submissions that would you know break the hip and things like that. Um, but it's one of those things that they're so niche, they're so hyper sensitive to the situation and the positioning that everything's in that statistically speaking, they're not relevant. Like you mm-hmm. don't people don't pull them off because they're so hard to pull off. Right. But is it possible? Absolutely. There's plenty of very efficient hip locks. Right. It's so niche. It's like saying, like, I'm the champion of beating up people who were born in January on the 17th with a full moon, and right. they're missing their back molar on the right side upper. Like, like it's right. very right. specific. So, yeah, you could Which be. I am. Right. In case you're wondering, I no, am. I knew those. Those. Well, that's actually how you introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I introduce myself to everyone that yeah, way. Yeah. No. So, um, so it's possible. It's doable. Um, mechanically speaking, it works. It's functional. It's just not statistically relevant. The only one that comes to mind for me of the hip locks would be the one that we'll do in our you test for your purple belt. Right. Right. When you are in someone's guard. Right. And you start to you like bring one of your legs up, and um, you kind of rotate, and that, that yeah, creates you, a hip. You lock. have that one. Um, there's a couple that you can do from mount as well, from main on top mount on people, um, and and probably the most relevant hip lock, so to speak, that people, will, the listeners will may have seen it is like a banana split. Mm, okay. Um, but again, at a highest level, you don't usually see banana splits. That's why if you do see it, it tends to be like a highlight video of some sort, you know? And is that just because it's so, to get those, so much has to happen to get in that position where yeah, someone... There's a lot of, there's a lot of circumstantial stuff, right? Like your positioning, their positioning, your body size versus their body size, that matters, you know? Like I'm really, really flexible. And if you try to like bend and split me, it will, it would just wouldn't work. There's, I'm, I'm too much, so much longer and I'm so much more flexible that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do it. The same thing. If I tried to do it on you, my legs are so long. I, I may not have proper control to apply on somebody who's, who's shorter than me. So, um, you know, so there, there's a lot of like, you know, human to human, you know, ratios, you know, uh, uh, proportions that need to take place. And much like the spine, you have to control so much, you know, that your hips are such a powerful and versatile, you know, joint that you have to control so much to, in order to be successful, to cause that break. It's, it's very tough. Yeah. All right. Let's move down to our, the next area, the knees. Yeah. 
I've always said the knees are the elbows of the lower half of the body. Is, is that right? Didn't you say that in reverse last time? <laughs> you know, I say a lot of things. So. Oh, okay. All right. It's good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they kind of are. They are a lot like the elbows, aren't they? In in a lot of the yeah. mechanics yeah. of yeah. submission. Yeah, they have a little more mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, where like they will, you know, turn. They 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 do have some rotation that your elbow may not have. There they tend to be a much more complex joint in your elbow. But yeah, in, in, in a lot of aspects, it's essentially an elbow, right? But you can, but because there's, the, how the ligaments are aligned in your knee and how it has to bear weight, the shape of the joint itself, all those things cause the knee to both be more powerful and more versatile, in bigger range of motion, but also you know, there's more ways to attack it, like we talked about it last time, different ways to break it, different kinds of damage you can do, and so on and so forth. The knee, you mentioned, is more powerful. So does that kind of like, when we talked about the elbow, mean you're going to, going for the knee, you're going to have more fight in finishing a submission? Yeah, just like the shoulder versus elbow. Yeah. yeah then the, the knee would be much like that because it has good range of motion. You know, it, you have a ton of just muscles around it to protect it to strengthen it uh, range of motion is usually very 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 good on, the, on your knees um, and I know that some people are saying like oh my, my my knees don't move they don't have that quite that big a range of motion but in comparison to your elbow they do mm-hmm. right um, and and again because the knee is a more robust joint than the elbow it takes more to control it it takes more to reduce the range of motion and it takes more to, to break it mm-hmm but it's not impossible. We've become very, very efficient over the years on how to break knees. We talked a little bit last time about the the knees or ankles. You can go from zero to like 60 very quickly where yeah. it, the knee can be fine until it snaps and then it, it's... Correct. You you have a, a, an injury that will follow you for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, it, it could, you could end people's careers. Why, why, is it, why, why is it so volatile in those um, situations? Again, by design, your knee is meant to do a lot of different things, right? And it's it's meant to, <clears throat> from its inception, it's meant to function from the beginning of life to the end of your life. It's meant to bear your weight all the time, mm-hmm. right? Now, most of us, actually, I'm not going to say most of us, a lot of us are fit, and our knee is not overstressed. But if you look at general population walking around, they tend to be overweight, um, and that adds extra burden to their knees. That stress over a period of time does impact how your knee performs. Um, also, any sort of running, jumping, any impact that you, you have on your feet will travel up into your knees. So your knees absorb the brunt of that, which is, again, not good. So, and then you throw in jiu-jitsu, which we're literally trying to break that joint and tear those ligaments in unnatural ways mm-hmm. so we're adding stress to a joint that we're expecting to naturally handle life stresses from our birth to the to the day that we die and and we're it's asking quite a lot of your of your joints you know it's like uh, your fingers mm-hmm. you know we use our fingers for everything typing eating i mean name tickling it. sure just before that we started here we a lot of times when Coriolan and I meet up, people have handshakes. We just tickle each other for about the it's first few I, minutes. I, I, I don't meeting. remember that. That's okay. I know, because you laugh so hard, you pass out a lot of times. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, and then you all come right. too, and then we start the podcast. Okay, all right. Well, that's good to know. It's good to know that's what's happening. I thought I was just passing out. No. 
Um, so, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people, as they get older, they have like lots of like finger issues, arthritis, carpal tunnel, things like that. Um, it's the same thing with our knees. You know, we just, we don't appreciate how much our knee does until we have an injury in our knee. Mm. Now, what about the different types of, uh, ways you submit the knee you have the hyperextension you have uh, compression yes uh, anything besides so, the two of those so uh, the, the two main forms of breaking somebody's knee are going to be rotational heel hooks um, and, and rotational knee bars and then um, hyperextensions those are going to be the really two big big ones um, there are a few submissions where you can cause hyperextension by pulling which is a little bit different but, but mostly speaking, it's going to be a, a hyperextension, like an armbar, and, and or a rotational, like a heel hook, mm. and things of, the, of that nature. When you talked about just the few where it's hyperextension by pulling, what, what, what's happening to the knee then from So most hyperextension, uh, when we talk about hyperextension in submissions, uh, it usually means that the driving force is pushing through the through the joint once the joint is at its fullest range right so let's say our elbow and an arm bar in a regular traditional arm bar from top mount as an example we pin the upper body down with our legs we pin the the end of the arm and the lever with our hands and we control that wrist and we push our hips through the elbow right effectively hyperextending it and breaking the elbow a pull submission would be one where i i control the the head in this example and i control the um, the wrist and I would pull the elbow through instead of pushing it. So think of it like um, like an elbow crush. Okay. That's a pull submission, not a push submission. You're pulling it. You're pulling the back of the elbow to you versus pushing your hips through the elbow. Mm. So um, the the difference there is as far as pure practical application there's not really any difference they'll break the same but but there are some some variations on knee bars where you actually pull to cause the break versus push so the, the difference with uh if we go back to the rotational submission style or mechanics and the hyperextension is one of those better it's one of those going to be more of a battle where someone who's strong can get out of it is one what are the is it easier to hit one for a lot of people like i mean heel hooks are going to be the supreme um joint submission when it comes to the lower body so no matter what submission we talk to as far as leg locks go um heel hook will trump them all um and and, and, and even in times to break the knee to cause damage to the knee um traditional knee bars where you're hyperextending. Uh, pale in comparison to heel hooks as far as the speed of damage the, the the amount of damage and the ability to neutralize the opponent's like physical attributes so somebody who's much much stronger will be able to fight and defend or even somebody who's very flexible will be able to fight and defend a knee bar far easier than somebody than that same person getting heel hooked mm. Um, just because they will have the ability to pull their legs, to cross their feet, to hold everything in place. The, the more flexible people will be able to hyperextend. There's actually a really gruesome picture of um, Jeff Glover versus Hobson Mora uh, back in the day in ADCC. And uh, Jeff Glover has Hobson Mora's leg in an E-bar, a figure four an E-bar. And he's got his heel behind his armpit. 
and he is arching so much to break that knee that he 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 is almost like being the little spoon to to <laughs> to grab Habsamora and Habsamora is just chilling he's hyper flexible and he's just chilling this this knee is completely bowed and bent and uh, uh it's just not breaking so yeah. like somebody who's hyper flexible or hyper strong they tend to be able to fight knee bars with a with an easier uh, far easier than they would a rotational submission like a heel hook. Knee bars feel good a lot of times. Oh, it's such at a first. Great, oh, yeah. You go like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, keep and going. Then, it, then it's not. Yeah, then you'll walk up and be like, hey, hey, hey. No, like, yeah, yeah, don't, the, don't go any farther. I'm like, no, I think this is good. No, this is a good feeling. Just keep going. Yeah, just go to a pops. Uh, is one of those two easy... Uh, more common for new people or is it just more like whatever they it just kind of depends it kind of depends on what they learn first Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that as a side note uh, knee knee injuries in jiu-jitsu are super super common Um, and and sometimes they're not even due to submission sometimes they are fighting out of submission you tweak your knee or you blow your knee or whatever but a lot of jiu-jitsu injuries that are knee related simply come from poor positioning Okay. And, and and sometimes it's not even like your legs are being attacked. It's just you landed wrong, you twisted wrong, you bear you, you bore weight in the wrong leg. Um, the most one of the most common injuries in, in the world tournament a couple of years ago was um, was actually from De La Hiva. People extending the legs through De La Hiva guard and blowing people's knees sideways. So again, it doesn't have to be a submission. We're asking you to bear a lot of weight and be hypermobile and hyperflexible and strong against opposing forces. And sometimes the knee just takes the, a hit a hit too many, you know? Mm-hmm. To hit a knee submission, do you have to have more control than, let's say, like an ankle submit, uh, submission or other? That's kind of relevant, right? Um, I think for any submission, you need to have control. I think as far as versus an ankle versus a knee, yeah, I would say it's easy. I mean... With the exception being a heel hook, if we simply say, hey, knee bar versus, let's say, toe hold or versus uh, heel hook or ankle lock, yeah, I think it's harder to control a knee because you have to control the hip and the ankle and it's very tough to do all that. Um, again, especially if there, there's a size difference or length difference that can be, can be problematic. All right, so ankles. Yes. We're at ankles, which I've always said are the wrists of the body. <laughs> Sure. Uh, the, I mean, the rest of the lower body. Yeah. The, the rest of the I, lower body. I, I think everybody got what you're you, you got. It. Good. Because most of the time, I think people are like, I don't know what the hell Andrew's talking about. <laughs> all right. I'm, all right. I've got my ankle up here. Uh-huh. So I'm holding it here so Croiler and I can, can, can view it. We've got, boom, we've got the, again, like the other ones, we've got hyper-extension. the hyperextension. Yeah. We have the rotational. Right. And we do have compression on this too. So hyperextension would be like a like a my bringing my toes down towards the at, bottom of yeah at a slight angle yeah yeah and that would be like your regular traditional ankle lock okay and then the compression bringing compression, my toes towards my shin it would be no it would be actually bringing the sole of your foot to your shin the sole of my foot to my shin yeah like a toe hold oh okay yeah wait a toe ho- hold. To me, that seems rotational. We're not actually looking to rotate the ankle. 
sorry, uh, let me rephrase this. We're not looking to create, to turn to heal. Um, that happens naturally, but with with a toehold, what you're trying to do is create a fold mm. on the ankle, right? Where you're trying to take like these, the arch of the foot is correct towards the shin. That's really what you're trying to do. The ankle turns as a way to absorb some of that force. Okay, but that's different than let's say like a heel hook, where you are, you know, forcefully causing that heel to rotate out <coughs> as you apply the submission. Uh, all right. So you got the compression. What, are there any other angles? I think that's about. Oh, that's about it. All the three. That's yeah. about the three-dimensional versions there. All right. Um. So we got. Which of those is the most devastating? A heel hook for sure. Heel hook is always going to be the, the that's worst. Gonna be the, 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 as far as lower body submission, it's going to be the, the king. And it's 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 the easiest. Not the easiest. It takes the least amount of like force to to Correct. do it. Because we've we've become so good at controlling the leg and delivering the the force to the specific ligaments and tendons we're targeting. It just break. It just breaks your your leg isn't meant to bend and maintain power in a particular angle mm-hmm. and that's why like i said sometimes it's not even a submission that blows your knee it's just poor positioning a lot of people who aren't familiar with leg locks or jujitsu would probably think also the ankle locks would be the least likely and least plausible submissions to right. do because it's so far extended from the body and it just seems like it's something you it doesn't seem like someone could control you if right. they're going for an ankle lock yeah but it's they're they're devastating for sure now, how do if someone knew? How do you? They go. How how would you? How would you control a grown adult's body enough to be able to get their ankle and submit them from there? How are you? How are you keeping control of the body so far from? from well, I think I think you know the the best way to explain it is like you would explain any submission, right? You, you find a target. So so what is your target? Is it the ankle? Is it the knee? Is it the hip? You know, shoulder, elbow, wrist, whatever. Find your target. So let's say it's the ankle in this example. Okay, cool. So you, you know that's what you want to break. Like we've talked about before, we need to control the target limb or the target whatever, right? So in this case, we have to control that ankle. And we try to control always the joint above and below the target. Example, if you want to break the elbow, you control the wrist and shoulder, right? So you want to break the ankle, you want to control the end of the lever, which is going to be the toes towards the knee. That'd be minimum requirement to break an ankle. Now, it's very hard to control the leg by just controlling the knee and the foot. So we, generally speaking, look to control the hip, the knee, and the ankle to provide better control over our submission. And then from there, once we've controlled and isolated, we reduce range of motion, like we've talked about before, so that the brakes come easier. And we do this by how we, how we catch the ankle with our arm and how we rotate our upper body and we stretch the the ankle to its fullest so that it no longer has a range of motion and then we push through it Mm. with ankle locks too i feel that the so rude um (laughs) With ankle lock, that sigh from Lola was the sigh of the audience listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ankle locks, the the way that I feel like a lot of people are going to escape, it's not a, it's you're not, it's not a power escape from an ankle. It's a, it's an agility, like a wily, squirrely. Right. I'm going to squirm my way out of right. this. And, that, and, and that's why the control is so important mm-hmm. is to stop that from happening. But 
the thing is if you try to agility your way out of a submission especially like a leg lock you're more likely than not going to injure yourself and then blame your partner for it Mm -hmm. which is super super common right are we we have we reached the the end of the the body? We've got our toes. Yeah, um, our toes. Yeah, no, but I think that's it. Um, I, I mean, you've always said the toes are the penis of the feet. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> I think that's been okay. that's what you say. That's what I said. That's uh, what you've said, okay. and I said, Corey, let's, let's not get crass. <laughs> um, as far as like, you know, the most dam- damaging breaks are going to be your heel hooks, but as far as the most gruesome breaks. Those will be your toe holds. Mm. Yeah, if you ever look up like broken foot due to toe hold, they tend to be far more gruesome because the whole foot is misplaced. Ooh, and just visually, that's yeah. that's it, most. Disturbing. Visually, it just looks horrible. But but for sure, heel hooks are worse because heel hooks will end your career. The toe holds, they're not. It, it's kind of the it's just a, the de- deceiving of you think a toe hold. Okay, so that's the toe submission. The toe hold is is actually is an ankle, ankle lock. It's an ankle lock. An ankle lock is also an ankle lock. But, or I'm sorry, a heel hook is a knee. Correct. Primarily, but it will also do damage to the ankle. You know what? That, I'm glad you mentioned that because there are a lot of those leg, ankle locks, uh, different leg locks where you can you can submit someone this by one submission, but it'll be different areas of the body. When Correct. we, the series that we had done not too long ago at the gym, we were doing a lot of half guard stuff and we were doing mini leg locks from there. And there were a lot of these submissions that I would go, oh, like as my, with my partner, I say, man, that's killing like my calf. Right. And they go, oh, it's hurting my ankle or right. heel or it, it's kind of weird how you'll feel it different. Yeah, it depends on, you know, it depends on, on where is the weakest part. Um, if you take a heel and you crank all the way through, you're going to do damage to the knee and you're going to do damage to the ankle. What breaks first? Uh, if 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 one is to break, which will break? It'll be that's depend on people, size, proportions. It depends on like if you have a previous injury in your knee, you're more likely to have that knee that knee break first. If it's if a previous heel injury, it might be you know around your ankle, you might have a, an easier break there. It kind of depends on that. Plus. If you're more flexible in a certain spot versus less flexible somewhere else, and etc. Where do you tend to feel it in, like the ankle area? Um, I usually feel it in my heel first, and then in my knee. I've I have fairly flexible knees, and I've have some, you know, previous like when I was younger, I had some injuries in my ankles. Mm. So I I don't feel a lot in my ankles, um, but heel hooks I usually tend to feel. Filling in my it's from the dancing. It's from the. <laughs> that's from, it was from the long hours of dancing. That's why you dance? don't dance now. Have you, seen, have you seen me dance? No, because you I've did it danced. so often as a child that it's it's yeah, it no, hurts I, to I do think, it now. I don't think that's why. <laughs> okay, well that's the anatomy of the attack. We're gonna do a listener question. This question here is from Jeannie. Jeannie on Instagram. She said, "Howdy, fellas." Just listen to the last episode where Coiler breaks down his class structure. I have questions. In your gym, white belts are separated from everyone else, but they also are not allowed to roll with each other? I'm at a Helson Gracie gym and one and a half, two years in, but then she said COVID lapse. Uh, COVID's kept her away. I haven't been at the gym since April, but 10 of us have gotten together to train in a garage regularly, and I feel like I've learned more in the past couple of months there than in the whole year prior. We are one black belt, four purples, four blue belts, and two white belts. One of the white belts is 245 pounds, a very large male. 
I feel like that's been hugely beneficial. We do a bunch of advanced stuff because that's what the higher belts want to do. I cannot retain everything, obviously, but still retain a good bit. Is my jujitsu being tainted by this? We do gi and no gi. Anything I should focus on in the sense of being a white belt and to not lose out on basic stuff. Um, that's tough. So like, you she might sent, s- she sent a whole chart too that shows their what they did. Yeah. Um, so as far as like the class structure, right? So yes, I do separate my 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 color belts. All attend the white belt class, or or at least a large portion of of them attend the white belt class. So in my white belt class, color belts participate. And they're there to be mentors. They're there to be to make sure that the white belts don't hurt themselves, and they have, you know, more experienced guidance at every practice. So the only time, and and the only time that, actually, let me rephrase this: when it comes to the rolling, the white belts never get to roll with other white belts. That's just I just don't allow that. Um, and the color belts that are in in attendance of the white belt class, they participate in the rolls, and then they'll roll with the white belts. Um, so it's not that the white belts are, secl- you know, are excluded from the rest of the school and they don't get to roll with each other because that would mean that they're not rolling, period. Mm. So, no, they, they only get excluded from rolling with each other and they don't they can't participate in the color belt classes, the advanced classes. Um, and that's by design. I think you have to learn to walk before you can run. The as far as your example there, you have ten people that are meeting on a garage to train. So there are that's very different than a class structure, mostly because in a class structure you may have anywhere between twenty five and fifty people in a class, right? On your average school. So if you do that, you have one instructor and let's say the class is eighty percent white belts and I'm trying to show something advanced the white belts are going to trip over the advanced stuff so much that they can't keep up with the class. So me as an instructor, I have to decide, do I keep the class at the same pace and benefit 20% of the class, or do I slow the class down and benefit 80%? Slowing the class down benefits the greater good, so to speak, but it also is not fair to the advanced students who have put in the time and over the years to achieve the level that they've gotten there. That's why we separate them. Now, in your example of 10 people, you have, sounds like, eight color belts, including mm-hmm. a black belt. And while you may struggle, they're, they have so much experience between the 80 of them that the eight of them that they can, they can guide you well, right? It's in reverse. It's like if you had a, a big class with 80% color belts and 20% white belts, yeah, the white belts will struggle less because there's more color belts there that can kind of guide them. You know, So it's a little different in your example there. As far as are you being tainted? Yes and no. Not in the way that you may think. I think that you're going to get more one-on-one attention in a small group of 10 people. I think you're going to get better attention in a small group of 10 people because it sounds like 80% of them are color belts. So that's all really, really good. Now, yeah, I think it's being tainted in a different way, not in regards to technique, not in regards to ability. I think you're being tainted in, in two negative ways. And, and one of those are you're being spoiled without knowing that you're being spoiled, right? So if your school opens back up after COVID is gone or we have a better handle on things, 
and you go back to regular classes, there may be 25 to 50 people in that class and you may not get the one-on-one instruction and help right away, which will seem like you're benefiting more from a smaller group. You see what I'm saying? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's easier to feel that way. So that's that's the one one thing, a little bit spoiled, that and that can affect um, overall like state of mind later when that's no longer the case. The second is by learning more advanced things, you may skip over the fundamentals, and because those fundamentals may not matter to the more advanced techniques that you're performing right now or that you're learning right now but those fundamentals would be used to build great foundations for other styles of more advanced techniques. So an example would be, let's say you're learning to do like Ashigrami to control an ankle lock, right? So, and then to finish an ankle lock. So you'd be like, okay, I need to learn that. That's a fundamental thing. But let's say the club belts are learning, you know, honey hole. Right, so it's a little bit more advanced than a regular ashigarami. You may be able to do it in practice. You have all these, you know, these eight color belts guiding you and helping you, ensuring you're successful. But then later on, when you need to learn a different style of ashigarami, you may not have the foundation that you need in order to learn that. You know, it's kind of like learning to do like an uchimata in judo, which is a very advanced throw. You don't start by learning that. You start by learning an ogosh, which is a very fundamental throw. Mm-hmm. You know, if what you're doing effectively is you're starting with, let's say, like a ipan sionage, which is like a, a mid-level throw. So you may like, I don't need an ogosh if I can do an ipan. Well, that's not true because there may be other throws that the mechanics you learn in ogosh will help you learn those other advanced moves. So I think you have to be careful in situations like that. Absorb as much as you can, but please don't ever underestimate the value of fundamentals and and of going back through and reviewing and learning those because uh, they can cause you to be weak in areas that you really shouldn't be weak if you had better fundamentals. So it sounds like the best way to handle this this setup she has now is don't get too used to having that personal attention. Right. It's incredibly helpful and effective. And she's in the rare case right now where Correct. she's in, usually you go, I'm training with some people in a garage and it's a bunch of new people. Correct. And you have someone like the person who sees you be like me, like a, like a blue belt who's like, all right, here's how I do it. Right. And it's, it's, it's not the best way to learn. Now, if you want to learn about other things like, uh, like, uh, like some, some fun improvising about dragons and stuff like that, then, then I could help. <laughs> but if it's jujitsu, right. then, yeah, she's in a good situation where she's got, yeah, she's got a black belt and a bunch of high belts that, right. it, that's good. So yeah, appreciate that, learn from it. But then also, as you said, you just don't overlook the basic stuff right. because they can they can build to the things later, you know. And if you get lost when you're you retain some of what the people are doing, I don't know how loose the structure is, but if I were her and it was something that was just so far ahead of me, I would just look at the other white belt and say like. Let's just drill some like some basic yeah, some let's, basic let's learn stuff. To right shrimp. Now. You know what I mean? Like let's mm-hmm. learn to shrimp out, let's learn to trap and roll and things like that. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what? Let's do one more before we leave because it's from our friend Joey. Okay. Joey from Florida. And I'll read it in Joey's voice because we both know how he talks. I've got a killer question. <laughs> Two parter. So better get out your reading glasses. 
Andrew and Croiler, number one. Andrew and Croiler, what are your definitions of flow rolling? Ooh. Let me do mine first. Because okay. I'll do mine and then you can correct it. Okay. Flow rolling to me, when someone says, hey, let's just flow roll. I, in, in my head, I go, okay, this is going to be a roll where we both let each other try different things out. We both, we both have very minimal resistance, and if we feel like someone is kind of going in a certain direction, we just let them go in that direction. I'm kind of like a dummy until then I feel an opening to change the direction of the role and something that will allow me to work on something, and it's just a very laid back but conscious of what your partner is trying to do and it, it has like a not much of an ego to it you're just kind of working through things it's actually really good um <gasps> oh yeah wow thank you yeah no I, I think the way i would define it it would be as a it would be a, a free flowing exchange of techniques between you and your partner where i will perform a technique as the technique is being executed if my partner finds an opening without me using any sort of ego or 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 physical attribute if he sees an opening or weakness they would counter or you know you know chain off into their own attacks from there and then i would then feel that movement and then look for a weakness or an opportunity to counter from their movement and we just exchange back and forth and the idea is if you do it well enough you can flow in and out of different techniques in and out, in and out of different positions, different series of attacks, different series of defenses. And, and overall, you can achieve positions that ordinarily you wouldn't get to because you'd be fighting for that kill right away and you would never get to go to places that you're not normally finding yourself in. Sure. All right, then part two of his question. Do you have any rec- recommendations, tricks of the trade, or common mistakes used when you flow? Be careful to not flow too much. I think there needs to be a, a balance. I think we need to have on days where we're we're going a little bit more aggressive, um, you know, to to learn to sh- to apply our techniques and address. I think we need to have days where we're f- we're strictly flow rolling, where we're looking to explore new areas that we don't usually find it can't find ourselves in, and then everything in between, right? So I think you need to find days to flow days to go hard and days to do a little bit of both have a a more realistic resistance to your movement but not so full bore that you're performing the technique incorrectly Mm -hmm. so you need to find that defined ground so there's three three stages to rolling so to speak flow your average roll and your let's say your your hard comp roll yeah and my recommendation would be find a person who is really who, who like you can flow roll with and it just feels natural because there are some people who are really good at right. the gym who I, I like my rolls with them but if I want to flow roll that's not a person I'm going to flow roll right. with some right. people they just aren't good at it or maybe they're good at it and their style is just a different yeah, flow than me yeah it just doesn't work with you yeah so there's yeah my advice is find someone who's good to roll with okay Joey alright Joey is that good enough for you Joey I'm sorry, Joe. I don't know. I'm coming real aggressive at you. I just, I miss you. It'd be nice to see you. You know. Yeah. We had we had fun when you were here last. So, uh, that that's it. Closing the listener mailbag. <laughs> if you're wondering what that was, I just threw the listener mailbag in a, in a garbage truck that was moving oh. by, and I threw it in the back, and it just wow, drove off. That's an amazing throw. 
Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, that's it. Uh, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. Yeah. Let's see. This episode will come out. Let's see. We have... We're, we're, we're one ahead right now, so it's kind of nice. We, we have a little room, so yeah. we shouldn't miss. If we miss any weeks over the next couple weeks, it's because I was lazy and I didn't edit it. We have enough episodes right now to, to have one here for Christmas. And then, yeah, this one will come out for New Year's. So everyone have a great New Year. I don't think you can beat 2020. So <laughs> don't say that. You just jinxed it. <laughs> I jinxed the whole year the for whole the entire year, world. The entire world, the entire planet. Yeah. Way to go. Damn it. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> All right. See you guys. See ya.